Uh, hi, I'm uh, Tech. When, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an engineer, but apparently I fell in love with you when I came to the States. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. In 1999, Tech Meritab took a bus to Chato's original Third Street location in Los Angeles with a Cook application in hand and a few words of English. Tech studied engineering in Eritrea and was only familiar with Kenyan black tea, yet Chato's founder, Rina, skipped the interview and tossed him an apron. Tech soon found his passion and love in tea. And Rina and Devin Shaw were quick to recognize a rare combination of boundless ambition and kindness in tech. Through their mentorship, Tech learned to ID over 300 teas in a month and was eventually promoted to manager. Today, he is an official partner of Chato Tea Room and has been instrumental in Chato's business development and philanthropy efforts. If you need tea recommendations from a humble, gifted tea entrepreneur, ask for Tech. Currently, his favorite teas are Castleton Estate Dar- <laughs> Excuse me, Castleton Estate. Darjeeling tea and master's choice oolong tea. Those sound incredible. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Tech. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ben. <laughs> of course, my pleasure. So we always start with a round of current curiosities, something that has recently sparked our interest. For me, it's this new Netflix series called Indian Matchmaking, and you know the title kind of says it all. And I'm I'm not really a reality TV person, but I'm Iranian, and so I'm I'm interested in other cultures. My parents are immigrants, and I'm, I'm always fascinated by how cultures outside the U.S. do things, whether it's, you know, having tea or, or you know, how to, how to get married and how they, how they decide who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. So when I saw this series, I saw the trailer, and I was intrigued. And it, something that kind of was fascinating was this matchmaker, Seema, talks about how there are marriages and then there are love marriages and i just thought it was it was kind of interesting to hear that the default is actually people in your community help you find the person that you might spend the rest of your life with and it, it's not too different from how my own parents kind of got set up but uh they, they, it wasn't as much of a traditional matchmaking as just my grandma following my mom and saying i have a single son but <laughs> i just thought it was interesting to see how you know, around the world, people are getting, you know, basically a one page bio, a one page sheet on somebody else. And then they have to they have to make a decision if they want to meet with that person. And then if it, the meeting goes well, you know, maybe looking at a very different life together. So all, all of that just kind of fascinated me and got me curious. Uh, for me, it was um, this new um you know, the different delicacies that you can find in the world were food delicacies. Uh, a few days ago, I was reading an article um, about bird's nest soup, which is it's very common in China. Uh, it's supposedly it's a delicacy. They uh, it's made out of uh, bird saliva. So, um, you know and. And that is one of the things that was lately I was thinking about it. I said, how do people or cultures even adopt those type of things and even make it into a delicacy where it's known all over the world, which is whether it's be it 
uh, a Filipino dish with um, uh, hot chicken or hatched egg or um, birch saliva soup or even extra coffee. Those are just the most interesting things. So, and, and I can I can actually connect it with the tea culture. But generally speaking, how cultures are so widespread and uh, considered more of like a delicacy in other parts of the world, whereas we have no idea that we think like food is just this, I love food, but on top of that, it's just, there are certain foods that I really appreciate and think like, how did that culture came across to that thing you know, from the beginning? How did they come? How, what is the, what's the origin? And so that is, lately that's where, that's what um, I'm into. I'm just trying to see like if there are places or uh, that you can try, unfortunately because of the COVID, which you cannot uh, find it anywhere. But I'm definitely uh, into that lately. Yeah, I've never heard of tea that, that can come from bird saliva. That sounds fascinating. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's not. It's not tea. It's actually a soup. Oh, a soup. A, a soup. soup. Sorry, a soup. Got it. Okay. A soup that comes from bird saliva. Wow. So it's supposedly it's very delicate. It's common in China, and it could go anywhere from thirty dollars to hundred dollars a bowl. Wow. And, which, <laughs> and this is sold in the market, just or or is it a little? Uh, no, it's uh, in fancy restaurants. Fancy got restaurants. It, got it. Right. Fancy yeah. Wow. So how did you get turned on to this delicacy in particular? Uh, no, I know I'm not. I mean that idea, just mm -hmm. generally yeah. that idea of those unique things and unique foods that other cultures think like a delicacy. Whereas um, here in America, we have no idea about. That is something that has been going in my head. Now we have a lot of time in our hands. Oh, I see. I see. That's fascinating. Yeah, that that is kind of one of my favorite parts about watching shows like Chef's Table or any of these, you know, food travel shows is just seeing like, wow, that is a really cool delicacy or, or an ingredient that I'm not very familiar with. And it's actually a big part or a very elevated part of somebody else's culture that I just wasn't aware of. So that, that's a really cool pursuit. And it makes, me, it makes me actually think of, when I was going through some of Chato's teas, I mean, there, there, certainly a customer can find, you know, uh, traditional teas like an English breakfast or, or or anything like that but what I think is one of the more beautiful parts of Chato is the the very cool eclectic collection of teas you guys have and so when I read that you were able to ID 300 teas in a month I was really blown away and uh, it was uh, that, that was actually the fun part of it which is growing up um we've drank tea yeah um, tea was a common thing that's we literally had a culture twice a day you would drink at least twice a day in the morning you would drink tea uh then uh right before uh, dinner maybe like when you come back from school you would drink tea as well yeah and the pot is always in the stove when if you have a guest or something tea is the very first thing that you would offer uh so i was familiar with just straight king and black tea but as soon as i walked into Chato. The most impressive thing was the selection of the teas. So you know, I can still have that would be like my fondest memory still to the day, 20 years later. Yeah. So um, uh, it, I made it into a mission just to study the entire tea book. So it didn't take me that long. Yes, you're right, because I literally had the interest, and I was so um, amazed about the selection. That's why. 
And as I understand, you had studied engineering, but you you got completely captured by tea. Did you find yes. did you find you were kind of approaching learning about tea like a student, like you were you were looking at ingredients and trying and you kind of did you have note cards? Like, what did it look like when you were studying all these different teas? <laughs> it was a, it was a combination of both because um, I give a lot of credit and um, everything was just because of uh, my business partner, Rina and Devin, where uh, I had an opportunity to work with Devin every Saturday. So um, their schedule was Rina would work Monday to Friday. Saturday, Devin would work. Basically, at that time, Devin was also running his uh, wholesale business. So Saturday, she would spend time at the retail location chart. So um, first time learning every single thing first time from Devin was now going back. It was such a great opportunity because you can I can do a book learning maybe Monday to Friday or just study the book, but he would literally connect everything on when you taste what you look for or what makes one be great from another. Or uh, sometimes when customers would send him or farmers would send him five or six different uh, teas of the same kind, he would cut them at chatter. Mm. Just leave it. Um, he would bring six different, uh, for us, like let's say Assam. Assam is the region in India where they grow a lot of black teas. They would send him six different Assams. So he would have he would have all six of them speak at the same time, and he would cut them to see like which one is better. So that's all, that's all. That's how he had uh, he has done his purchasing. So it would surprise me like he can tell the difference between one to another because at that point. All I see is black teas. All I taste is black teas. But for him, there is this unique taste. So that's how uh, I was able to learn or and appreciate uh, the beverage a lot. It kind of reminds me of how sommeliers approach learning wine, the way you're describing it now. And I think one of the the cool aspects of trying to learn about something that stimulates uh, the sense of taste the one of the interesting parts to me is how you then can convey that to a customer. So I remember when I, one of my first jobs, actually my first job was working at Sprinkles Ice Cream in Los Angeles. And in my job interview, I remember we had a group interview. And one of the things that we had to do was they would hold up a photo of the ice cream and we would have to describe it to a customer if they like if a customer pointed to it and we we were tasked with describing it how would we describe it so what i've noticed from talking with people in the wine world and i'm curious if it's similar with tea is there are certain there are certain factors that you address when you're describing the taste to someone so for example a lot of sommeliers will address acidity um you know, and whether uh, a wine is crisp or creamy or somewhere in between. What is, if you are describing a tea and, and you can pick a specific tea if you'd like, can you give us like the one or two sentence description of how you would deliver it to a customer? Oh, well, uh, to your point, tea has the same terminology just like wine. Mm. You would use all those wordings, all those terminologies that you would describe in wine. You would use it in the tea world as well. Like simple example, lately I've been enjoying a Japanese green tea called Gyogoro. Gyogoro is um, 
a very unique Japanese green tea where it's picked only once a year. They would actually pick the tea during springtime. And there is, they have that, that seven day or 10 day window. And before harvest, they actually cover the, the plantation with actual bamboo leaves or even sometimes bark. So that would help the tea absorb a lot of amino acids. And uh, when it, it would have a lot of amino acids, when the tea is harvested and when you steep it, the tea would have a really nice umami or green or grassy flavor. So that's how I would describe it. It's sweet, but with a lot of umami or um, grassy. So very delicate and unique. And something I, I really enjoy about how you just described that tea in particular is, so you, you give the customer a sense of the, how the tea was made and the taste and also kind of the story behind the tea. And I think a lot of uh, people I've spoke, spoken to in the wine world do the same thing. And I'm so drawn to the story behind it. And I think Chato does a really good job of conveying that. Is that something you actively think about when you're deciding what teas to incorporate? In fact, um, part of our effort um, customer education or tea education is one of our biggest things that we do, starting from uh, the LAT festival to an actual or personal tea tapping or personal tea tasting or even tea and food pairing, and tea and chocolate pairing, and tea and cheese pairing. It's uh, a routine thing at Chato. You can just go to Chato and have a tea taste. Uh, and when you do that, um, for most of the teas, tea is a commodity where it has a lot of history and a lot of culture. And even from the day it was discovered to um, in China, and the Buddhist monks and uh, India and Europe and all those places, there's an actual, actually, uh, cultural connection between one to another. Let's simple example would be smoky tea. Smoky tea or tea that's really smoked. And it, with, with that, it was discovered very accidentally because when they were transporting it back in the days, where people would be camping, while, while they're like in a caravan. So um, the people that were receiving it didn't think like it was an actual, uh, they felt like the tea was made that way or tasted that way, but it was discovered or it was, they discovered it accident. So there is those interesting factors. And nowadays you follow the trend and you follow what people look for, what customers look for. A simple example would be customers would be into health benefits, let's say turmeric. So uh, we would blend a line of teas with turmeric. We can do an actual black tea as a base, a green tea as a base, or herbal tea as a base, and add turmeric. So it all depends. We reach or we see the trend and uh, see what customers are looking for just instead of just making a blend and trying to describe it to customers. Just the, old, the original or single origin teas, once we pick them, those are the ones that you can give the history of the garden, how the garden makes that tea, what makes that tea unique, how to steep it, and those, those type of recommendations. But blends and flavors, 
we try to follow the trend as well as what people look for. Mm. And I imagine you've probably seen a fair share of trends in your day. And I'm so curious, like having having started in 1999, how have you seen tea consumption specifically maybe in LA or in America? How have you seen it change compared to when you first entered the tea space? Oh, back then, it was growing, but every year from even from the time that I joined, almost 29 years until now, the industry is growing almost every digit, every single year. And um, especially the past 10 years, the health benefit and uh, what you can do with tea and how you can incorporate tea in other foods has been a major factor in whether it's like Coca-Cola deciding to go into bottling business or uh, or uh, kombucha or other industries using tea as a base also helped a lot for this industry. Hmm. And have you found that more people like corporations, like even Coca-Cola entering the tea space, have you found that's been helpful in in getting customers more interested in tea or has it has it made it or has increased competition uh, made it harder for smaller businesses like Chato? How, how has how has that worked? Oh, I the way I look at it is it's a great thing. Any um, any tea business, regardless of what kind of tea that you sell, it's always great for the industry because mm. there is always a consumer for what you provide or what we do at Chado is we just strive to be great. We just strive to um, uh, bring the great tea, the great single origin to single, because what they sell uh, might be like a bottle tea drink. Mm -hmm. But they're introducing the word tea to a lot of consumers that we cannot even reach. Yeah. So it's the way I look at it is it's always a plus thing having big chains and big retailers carrying different type of tea is always good for um, for a local man uh, pap stores or small tea uh, exclusive tea retailers because as you graduate from those flavored teas or sweetened teas you also want to go and find out if you don't know what tea is even bottled iced tea uh, you are not going to go and try a chato tea. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would be able to try it, but at the same time, yeah. if you have no idea what tea is, but if you have at least an idea of what tea is, it would be a lot easier to teach you what an actual tea would be, what unflavored tea would be. And sometimes if it's a great tea that you don't even need to do any flavor. Most of the people. Right. I like, I like that approach. I like that mindset. And you mentioned specifically single origin. For, for like the lay people like myself who may not be as familiar with tea terminology, could you clarify and elaborate on, on what a single origin tea might be? Oh, single origin means um, tea that's not flavored, just basically from one single source. Like a simple example would be in India or in China, you have a lot of tea gardens that would harvest uh, straight black straight uh, straight teas, mm -hmm. and they process them into. Uh, it would be once the tea leaf is called the tea leaf generally is called camellia sinensis, and that camellia sinensis tea leaf 
depending on how they process it, it will be classified into six different classes. We may decide to process it into a white tea, a green tea, a yellow tea, an oolong, a black, or specifically in China, into a four. Mm. So if that specific single uh, single region ended up processing the tea into one of those categories and ship them compact without any adding or flavoring with um, other blends, it's called single origin. It's basically it's from one single origin, no any other blend Got it, understood. And so as I understand, Chado, the the tea leaves come from is, is it true that the tea leaves come from somewhere else but you guys are making the teas here in los angeles is that correct uh yes so we have um currently we have uh, 386 teas or 386 teas and uh of those uh 82 of them are single origin teas mm-hmm which there is no flavor in them. They would be straight green, straight white, straight black, straight long. Uh, and the rest are chato blends. Mm-hmm. So depending depending on um, what we were talking about earlier, whether it's um, the season or uh, the trend or, or whether it's a morning, afternoon, or evening blend, we do create our own blends. So the rest of them are blends and uh, herbal infusions. And what's the process like for creating your own blend? I imagine it's a lot of, or maybe not a lot of trial and error. I'm not sure. Does it involve some experimentation or how, do, how does that work? That seems like a cool process. Uh, initially, um, it would be a lot of experimentation, but um, through time, you would know like what tea blends well with or what ingredients. So the very first step would be picking the base tea. So you would actually pick the base tea. Uh, then you would decide whether if you're making a fruit blend, a spice blend, or a sweet blend. So if you're if you're making a fruit blend, you can do or select any actual real dried fruits: peach, mango, pineapple. Any of those actual fruits. If you're doing spices, you can use cinnamon, ginger, cardamom, vanilla, and all those um, uh, ingredients. They have their own characteristics. Like some cinnamon might be sweet when you uh, steep it a little bit longer, and ginger might be might have. So you, as a blender, you would have to know all those uh, characteristics of uh, herbs. Yeah, that comes from experience, I bet. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So that's really cool that you you do after some time get to a point where your palate can kind of anticipate what the taste of something might be, and that'll that'll help cut down on the amount of experimentation time. And uh, it makes me think when your when your palate can kind of anticipate these tastes, it makes me think of what you were mentioning earlier about tea and food pairings, or you know you you talked about tea and chocolate. I think that's so cool. Like we. A lot of times people think of wine and food pairings. Could you talk a little bit about tea pairings and your approach to them? Uh, tea and chocolate pairing or tea and... Uh, there is a couple of uh, tea pairings that we do uh, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are tea and chocolate pairing and tea and cheese pairing. Mm, okay. So uh, our approach, for instance, for tea and chocolate pairing is... There is a chocolate maker, a local chocolate maker that we partner with. They use our teas. 
and uh, they create different chocolates using their sticks. Then once those chocolates are created, we would see, um, let's say lately we've been pairing our white champagne raspberry tea with the champagne or white champagne chocolate tea. Uh, so basically they use a dark chocolate with uh, a concentrate white champagne. Mm. And uh, passion fruit oolong, which is something in between green tea and black tea, we would pair it with our uh, oolong tea as well. And the last one would be our chai with sea salt ginger. So they would, uh, you can actually create and mix because some of those things are a lot easier to describe when you're tasting them. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. That, that sounds lovely. And I, I haven't really thought about tea pairings in that way. And I think that's, that's awesome that as somebody who's educating people in tea, you're putting that out there. Now I'm, I'm after this, I think I will try some tea and chocolate. <laughs> oh yeah. Are you, um, are you local in LA? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Please stop by to one of our locations. So you'll, um, will definitely, uh, like to see what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's awesome that you know, in L- LA, it can be a hard market to to succeed in just because of the sheer amount of competition. So it, I think it's incredible that Chado started as one tea room and has now turned into four. Could you talk a little bit about how you were able to establish such a strong connection in Los Angeles and and expand and grow? Well, I um, again, I give the credit to my business partner Stephen Pena is uh, what actually we grew the entire business organically in a way where um, from our original location on 3rd and La Senega uh, to our Pasadena location to um, uh, the Japanese and Mechanism location and now at the Daily Theater. And finally, the current location, which I'm in right now, is uh, the Torrance location. Uh, it is, um, we, um, we connect or we concentrate mainly on uh, educating the consumer or just um, teaching people what actual tea is and having them experience the whole thing themselves. Uh, one more plus thing that we have is instead of just retelling only tea, we also have an opportunity for them to come and um, enjoy themselves for a couple of hours or for um, our activity service with sandwiches and some tea or to even uh, a tea tasting. Those are a great ways that we organically connect with our customers. Um, we we've done i think that shows like we've done a great job in the past 20 years uh we have uh, quite a good organic followers i really like that a lot and uh it's a testament to to you guys that you guys have been doing such a great job not just over the past 20 years but i think also and you can you can tell me how it's been i'm curious how has it been now during the pandemic that your business model has had to adapt quite a bit I mean, you guys sell teas online, which I think is a, is a great way to get to the customer right now. 
But what uh, the challenging part during the pandemic was, tea is considered uh, more of a luxury. Yeah. But I personally would call it uh, affordable luxury. Right. Because you can take any expensive tea that you can pick up that you can even buy for $30 an ounce. That $30 an ounce, you will make you at least 10 cups of teas. Mm-hmm. So, which if you break it down, it's three dollars a cup. So it's not that expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and you're talking about the most expensive thing. Right. So. Compared to a coffee, you might or a latte, you might pick up at your local yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, you will end up paying like yeah, you'll end up paying seven, eight dollars just for a regular life. Yeah. Um. And that's if you don't get oat milk. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the challenging part now is. Um, you cannot connect with your customers. Yeah. So, we used to do uh, Torrance being our biggest location. Last year, we have done almost close to 15 big events. Mm-hmm. When I say big, almost every three weeks, we would have, um, we would partner or we would do uh, specific tea tasting, whether it's like tea and health benefit class or Taiwanese ulong tasting mm-hmm. or a Japanese tea ceremony. So that those are the ways that we connect with our customers, and we would um, we would actually we were doing them in a big in a big setting, and like anywhere from eighty to hundred people. So those things are on hold. So that makes it difficult to connect with your customers. But um, just as a good news, we've added uh, a patio sitting in all our locations, so um, customers can come and visit Chato and have. Um, what we have on our menu and experience our key service as well as uh, the different key selections we have. But I think uh, that is the only the biggest challenging part that we've had during this whole project. Yeah, credit credit to you, to you all, you and your team for being able to adapt. And from what I can tell, if there's anyone who's good at adapting, it's you as somebody who, you know, when you first got to LA, um, you know, you... You, you were coming for engineering and then adapted once you had this new passion. And now, you know, there's a new challenge coming up and you, you've admir- admirably ab- adapted. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask someone with such a great story. Do you have any advice for somebody who, who is new, whether they're new to America or just going to a new city? Do you have any advice for, for how, to, how to build yourself up from there? Because I think you've done such a great job and I'm wondering if there's any piece of advice or wisdom that you could share for somebody who might be going through a similar situation? Uh, for me, it was uh, finding a great mentor. So I always suggest or advise people just to find a great mentor. My mentor being uh, my business partner is now Lena and Bevan. And just stick to it. So you see, you hear a great story. Once uh, I've heard their story, how they started the business from uh, five teachers and um, uh, from um, grandparents' uh, parents' garage into uh, 75,000 square foot warehouse. That is that's just an inspirational story at that time they didn't have that much but now you can you can actually plot the line or just draw the line how the business was growing from five five boxes or five crates of all t-shirts to um, a big five thousand square foot warehouse then ten thousand square foot warehouse you can actually see that person could be a great mentor so that's what i followed Mm -hmm. 
and uh, once you find your once you find your um, your interest I would just stick to the mentor that you have a mentor that you think that's a good guide for me uh, that was that worked for me as well as um, I would think that would pretty much work for any industry that you think of yeah absolutely and what do you think what do you think first captured you about T? As you, as we mentioned, you know, you had this initial interest of engineering. What do you think really captured you and made you decide to pivot? Well, at that time, when you know, I was uh, twenty, and at that time, I was more interested in, uh, interested in the business model of it. Yeah. Um, more interested about selection because, uh, as I said, I was um, I grew up drinking tea, but only one cup of tea, right? <laughs> just can't have black tea, yeah. But if anything, just uh, spicy black tea, sure. just you would add some cardamom or cinnamon. But we've never had any, well, never, I've never had any green tea, white tea, or oolong or any of those selections, uh, until I um, was introduced to Chata mm -hmm. or until I joined the Chata family. So what it was the interest, once I have that interest and uh, a great mentor, what captured me was learning the stories, getting the connections, the histories and the culture, the rituals that you have between country to country and how deep the whole thing was. And uh, whether it's getting the business model of it, the business aspect of it, I started developing that almost a year after. But you know how I started appreciating when I was 21, I just said, oh, this is just such a great business. And because the people that you connect to, the people that you sell key to, they're all uh, self-conscious and uh, people that are interested to listen and learn about what you're saying about the product. It's not like someone that would just come just a simple transaction mm -hmm. it's a uh, sharing story uh, it was, i love that part of business yeah absolutely it's a it's a communal experience for sure and and when i grew up like you tea was something we had first thing in the morning with breakfast with our family and then later in the afternoon or the evening too and it, and now when we go to family gatherings it's the first thing that's served so what you're saying deeply resonates with me as well I'm uh, I'm curious now at this stage, when you're looking for a new tea or looking to expand the collection in in a way, what do you look for when you're looking for to put together a new tea? Uh, we still stick to two things. One, um, we are trying to uh, once every quarter we are trying to introduce very unique and um, exclusive teams to our customers. And I say exclusive because now, since um, you have a lot more people joining the industry, there are certain teams or certain type of high-end teams that are just being sold as a high-end teams, but they're not high. Mm -hmm. So it's just a responsibility of basic life charter or TV businesses is to make sure we are providing, having, if it's a great quality or unity, just introducing it to our customers. So that's one mission that we have. 
it could be sometimes you can hear or read about a tea or a pound of tea being sold 400 500 600 dollars a pound but what makes that why would that announce a tea or a pound of tea would be sold for that much so it's our responsibility to explain the taste and there are people that appreciate that high quality things but at the same time is it just um is it just expensive just because they want to make it expensive was it worth it <laughs> so right. that's our job to uh, judge and uh, bring it to the test okay. and the second thing is uh, you know whether it's um, people's interests as I had said earlier whether it's a turmeric tea or herbal tea some people nowadays they want to stay away from caffeine but they still want to enjoy a good cup of tea without adding any of the colors. And as far as I know, uh, tea is probably the only common tea. I mean, even coffee is, because I mean, from where we try to get there, we have an entire coffee culture. I feel like I'm a trader, <laughs> which um, you know, we grew up, you know, now we grow tea, but uh, coffee is a huge culture. And so there are people that are interested and a specific type of food because of the health reasons. I I talk to customers that that would come and ask if we have tea for such and such, whether it's arthritis or they can't sleep or we don't we don't like achado, we don't like uh, prescribing tea or any of those things. But we like to share what the common knowledge is whether it's um, an herbal infusion like rooibos, which is not a natural uh, tea. It's just herbal infusion from South Africa, which uh, we bring an organic version and a straight version and we do about eight or nine different blends and have it like as a kid's tea or uh, even adult's tea where people can have in the evening after dinner, but no, don't have any interaction from caffeine. Mm -hmm. So those are the logic that we like to follow. Got it. Got it. And and before we get into some of the fun questions to wind down, I'd love to ask you about the philanthropic work that Chato does specifically with Alsin's Tea, which I understand to be a nonprofit that supports siblings of those with special needs. Could you talk a little bit about your amazing philanthropic work? Oh, that is actually one of, um, one of the great nonprofit things that we we started about uh, eight years ago. And there was a story that Rena had shared with me when uh, growing up, uh, Rena had um, uh, a disabled brother called Alton. And uh, she literally had to take care of him after having uh, a, whole, a full day at Chado. She would go and take care of her brother. So nowadays, when you see in the news or different areas, uh, you would see um, if you have a family member with disability, the entire attention in that family goes to that person. Uh, and uh, you know, the actual siblings, to me, they are forced to go a little bit farther than, uh, like faster than their peers. Of, uh, so, so what we decided was, there was a great friend of uh, 
Machado, he also had uh, a daughter that they used to come to Machado almost every Sunday for father-daughter tea. And his daughter used to have a cerebral palsy. So I shared with him, it would be a great thing to do an actual tea service at Chato once or twice a year. And we would definitely sponsor it through the entire thing. Chato would do the entire thing. All we would need is the siblings of the disabled. Not the disabled, just the siblings of the disabled. Just for them to have that one day for you know, people of the, the same shared people. So that's how Halsey's team started. And uh, they would come, they would have a couple of uh, speakers that had uh, went to uh, Rena or someone at that college would come and uh, talk to them about how their life experience was. And we just want for the kids to have like one, just a simple tea service. So there's an activity service and do a musical event as well as different activities. So that's what LCC does. That's wonderful. I, I, I really admire, I really admire you all for putting that together. I think that's incredible. And hopefully, I, I don't know how often you, you do it. You said once or twice a year, hopefully, you know, give well, we, yeah, it's a yeah. partnership. Yeah. So most of the time, um, when, uh, we decide to do a select the days, yeah. uh, myself and, uh, Rena, Rena and I would decide a day for Chato and they would actually decide uh, a good time for the kids as well as, uh, entertainers and different activities. Yeah. So, so hopefully I'll, uh, I'll, uh, get share with you when the next awesome students. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully with, with all the, the craziness, there's a socially distant or a safe way to figure out how to do it soon. Um, cause I think, I think that's a great thing. And, uh, just in general, I'm, I'm a big fan of you and Chato for, educating customers and really ingratiating yourself in the community of LA, which is my hometown. So I, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you making the time. And we'll just wind down with a few fun questions now. Uh, the first of which is what's an app like an app on your phone that you can't live without? I, uh, I have to say, uh, Ted talk. Oh, Ted talk. Or yeah. KPCC. KPCC or Ted talk. All right. Yeah. I'm a big fan of both. Uh, uh, I love that. Yeah. And who would you like to play you in a movie about your life? Oh, Denzel Washington. <laughs> I just love him. <laughs> He's the best. That's easy. <laughs> if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Singing. <laughs> and where is a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Oh, Taiwan. Mm. Yeah. And lastly, what's your jam? As in a song you like to jam to? Uh, I uh, I actually like uh, jazz. So it would be Louis Armstrong or Rita Franklin or any of those old jazz music. So, uh, we have on this podcast, we, we create a Spotify playlist where we add one song from each guest. Uh, so if you, if you could add one song, jazz song from... Uh, that you enjoy to our Spotify playlist for our guests to check out, what would you like them to listen to? Oh. 
Oh, you can you can pick any song from Aretha Franklin. Okay. I should be a <laughs> Fair enough. And for anybody who's listening who'd like to check out Chato and, and learn more about the great work you all are doing, where can they find you online and on social media? Yeah, um, we're at Instagram at uh, ChatoChizu, or you can visit us at uh, ChatoChi.com. Visit any of our two locations. Currently, uh, we have uh, four of them in, here in the LA area, South Bay, downtown, Pasadena, and uh, the Golden Theater. And we are also doing, we will be, hopefully once this whole COVID-19 is uh, over, we'll go back and doing all our education events, well as Instagram, as well as uh, Facebook. Yeah, and virtually, I know people, customers can order tea online to have shipped, right? Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah, perfect. So it's uh, charity.com. Yeah, and, and do you ship nationally? Uh, we internationally. Internationally, wow. So any anywhere you are in the world, if you're listening to this, you can get Chato Tea. So make sure to check that out. And uh, for anybody listening, if you want to check out the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at hdydpod, and you can find us wherever you download podcasts. Tech, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I I'm excited to try the tea you just suggested. And thank you, Ben. Um, send me your address. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just send you. Um, <laughs> amazing that's very kind of you i'll email you right after this thank you so Definitely, much yeah i appreciate thanks it. thanks so much all right take thank care. you bye-bye take care